Welcome to the Vanguard Bible Church podcast. For more information about Vanguard Bible Church, visit www.vanguardbible.org or come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at Freedom Middle School in Northwest Bakersfield. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you. It is a pleasure to be here. Um, been to California before, uh, not Bakersfield. I came in uh, early enough yesterday to get a little feel of the town, got to go up to Sequoia and just see the sights, all the orchards, and to me, it's a whole new experience. So for you, it's like, and eh, the farms. <laughs> but to me, it's like, whoa, like a lemon orchard? No, I haven't seen one of those in not ever. Um, so to me, this is a, a new area. I, I'm not used to the deserts of, of California. I'm used to the cold, harsh winters of Chicago where snow reaches your knees. And uh, I, used to have a, I used to have a beard. Icicles would get, would get in there. It's, uh, it's freezing cold. Um, but nonetheless, it is a joy to be here, to be with brothers and sisters. Uh, Psalm 133 is right. It is a joy to see brothers and sisters dwell in unity. And to be here, while I only met my congregation back in Illinois worshiping at the same time, I think still, <laughs> time difference is not always at the forefront of my mind, but worshiping the same Lord together, one Lord, one faith, one church. It's beautiful. But Gordon asked me to come here and preach, and I'm here to preach the word, and I hope that you're here to hear the word. And in that effort, I want you to know that um, if I've done my job as a preacher, as an exegete uh, of the text, and as a uh, homiletician, fancy word for preacher, it's not me you're coming to hear, and I hope that I can get out of the way and let the Word of God speak to you. And in that effort, in reliance upon the Holy Spirit, let me pray, and if you would pray with me, that I can do that and be faithful. Let's pray. Our one Lord, you've brought us together in this room to hear your word, a word from Job. And I pray that our hearts will be wide open to hear it and to change our lives, that we'll respond to your word faithfully, and that we'll uh, be sanctified by its truth. Lord, get me out of the way. May you, Spirit, speak through me, because if it was just me, it would not be enough. It would be empty. It needs you. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Job 28. Job 28. Speaking of Bakersfield, I have no idea if this is right. I'm going to preface this, right? But I did my research. Went to the most accurate website, always trustworthy, never failing Wikipedia. I looked up Bakersfield because I just I had wondered about the town a little bit, and I found out. And please correct me after the service if this isn't true, because I'll be disappointed. If, I, if, if this is wrong, but apparently Bakersfield was founded in the, in the mid to late 1800s when Thomas Baker, I saw a head knocking, nodding yes, okay, all right, Thomas Baker uh, farmed here, 
He, found, he had a field, Baker's Field, <laughs> and this would become a stop for travelers as they would come with the gold rush. These prospectors, miners, people leaving the frigid winter of Chicago to come to the desert of Bakersfield to find gold, to find riches, to find a new life. This long distance to travel to find the good life. How can they live well? Well, surely it's to travel thousands of miles. A friend told me the other day, I was explaining to him this, this, uh, this story, and apparently these prospectors, when they failed here, they would travel to the Yukon. I'm like, you think you're going to do better up there? <laughs> but there's that earnestness to find how to live well, how to have the good life, how to strike it rich. They're seeking and seeking and seeking, and some find it. A lot don't. But nonetheless, it's still impressive that some even made it at all. Look at what has come from this massive migration of people to the West. All those California or bus signs that you've seen, well, some of them didn't make it to California, but they settled in other states and other cities along the way. Much has developed from that progress. Men and women have done extraordinary things in our history. A lot of it revolving around the this, this search for, for gold, for, for riches, for a better life. I think people are still on the search for a better life, and we, we strive and we make efforts, and we might make a good name for ourselves and, and live a good life, and that's good. But I think Job 28 tells us that there's maybe more to a good life than gold, and silver, and achievement. The good life in the Old Testament, I say, is a life of wisdom. Wisdom has been defined uh, in the Old Testament. Some Old Testament scholars say that the wisdom is, is living rightly in the land. That's what Israel, Israel lived in the promised land, the land of Canaan, right? And they were given the book of Proverbs, and the rest of the Old Testament to live in wisdom, to live rightly, to live the good life. And we see in Proverbs that if you live a certain way, then you should tend to expect certain realities. A good name, a good family, wealth, abundant crops, orchards and orchards of lemons and oranges. But Job is a book where a man lost everything, a man who was wise, a man who was righteous and upright before the Lord, and yet he lost everything. He lost his orchards. He lost his family. He lost his health. I thought Proverbs told me that if I get wisdom, if I live wisely, if I search for it, I'll get these good things, right? And Job is questioning throughout the book, come on, what's going on? And here in these opening verses, he's reflecting on those efforts, the pursuit of gold and silver and other precious things. Let's begin. In Job chapter 28, verse 1. Surely there is a mine for silver and a place for 
for gold that they refine. Iron is taken out of the earth, and copper is smelted from the ore. Man puts an end to darkness and searches out to the farthest limit, the ore in gloom and deep darkness. He opens shafts in a valley away from where everyone, anyone lives. They are forgotten by travelers. They hang in the air far away from mankind. They swing to and fro. As for the earth, out of it comes bread, but underneath it is turned up as by fire. Its stones are the place of sapphires, and it has dust of gold. That path no bird of prey knows, and the falcon's eye has not seen it. The proud beast have not trodden it, and the lion has not passed over it. Man puts his hand to the flinty rock and overturns mountains by the roots. He cuts out channels in the rocks, and his eye sees every precious thing. He dams up the stream so that they do not trickle, and the thing that is hidden he brings out to light. I'm going to stop right there for now. Don't read ahead, you'll spoil it. <laughs> Man has done pretty awesome things. Human effort has led to great value. You see, there are mines, there are places for gold to be refined, much precious Stones have been found. Man puts an end to darkness. I see these bright lights shining right next to me. I'm like, wow, there's no darkness in this room. But imagine back then when there's no such thing as electricity. Man putting an end to darkness? What? Especially in the depths of these mines? Revealing things? Things that are forgotten by travelers? It reminds me of that phrase, son, I've forgotten more than you know. Like, Look at the achievement of these people. These miners, uh, that they hang in the air, there, there's some debate in what that they stands for. I, I, you know, I, I like to envision a miner just hanging from a rope, swinging down this, this deep shaft. That would terrify me. I don't like heights. <laughs> this guy, there's, there's so much digging down that like, you're falling into the depths of the earth. Not even... The animals, not even proud beasts, have accomplished what man has. That path, in verse 7, that path that man has, has dug into the earth to find these valuable things, no bird of prey knows. No falcon's eye has seen it. Think about these majestic birds, the eagle, the hawk, the falcon. There's a, there's a red-tailed hawk that lives on campus where I live, and I've seen that thing just dive down and get a squirrel. And I don't mean to like, make people think of like, something horrid like that, but it's amazing just to see that thing swoop down and get that. It's incredible. The eyesight on these creatures, and they haven't seen the things man has seen. Proud beast and the lion, they haven't walked that path. These animals of strength don't want to cross one out in the wilderness. I went to Sequoia Park, as I mentioned, and I saw signs like, careful, active bear area. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> I definitely don't want to cross one of those. But even the mighty bear, even the mighty lion has not done what man has done in his effort. And look, what has man done? Verses 9 to 11, he overturns mountains by the roots. His eye sees every precious thing. And the thing that is hidden... He brings out to light. The thing that is hidden, he brings out to light. So surely, 
the good life that seems so beyond our grasp, surely the secret to living well, surely wisdom that seems so hidden and obscured can be grasped by our efforts. I know we've achieved a lot. I've only been here for an hour, maybe. And, uh, but I know that a lot of you have achieved, whether it be athletic performance or intellectual achievement or uh, building up your bank account, saving up for retirement, getting good grades at school. Those are great things, but there's still something that's so hard to achieve is how do I make a good decision? How do I live in wisdom? This doesn't feel like enough. Perhaps if I try more, I'll figure it out. I'll find fulfillment. Surely I can find that secret hidden thing. Job, verses 12 and following, puts to rest that idea. Read with me, starting in verse 12. But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth, and it is not found in the land of the living. The deep says, it is not in me. And the sea says, it is not with me. It cannot be bought for gold, and silver cannot be weighed as its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir, in precious onyx or sapphire. Gold and glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of crystal. The price of wisdom is above pearls. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. I'll stop there again. Where is wisdom to be found? Man has found gold, silver, sapphire, precious stones, every precious thing he sees, but not wisdom. It's hidden. You can't even find it in the deep, in the sea. The deep and the, and the sea in the Old Testament times were not just bodies of water. They were um, uh, very uh, intense personifications of the, of the cosmos, right? There's so many creation myths uh, of ancient history that describe the deities like ripping the oceans apart and so much chaos and blah, 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 blah. In Genesis 1, we see God uh, peacefully and orderly creating. God is God over the oceans and over the deep. And so we think that perhaps the deep or the sea has the answer to wisdom. They say, ah, it's not with us. You know, as great as we are, can't find it here. Nowhere in creation are you going to find the answer wisdom. Speaking of wisdom, you know all those great things that man has achieved? Finding gold, silver, etc. All of our achievements, wisdom far exceeds it in value. You'll notice all the negative language in verses 
15 through 19. What I, what I mean by negative is not harsh or critical. I mean literally no, not, or nor. Incapable. Negatory. Zilch. Nada. Nothing. It cannot be bought for gold. Silver cannot be weighed as its price. All these precious things. No mention shall be made of coral or of crystal. The price of wisdom is above pearls. The achievements that humanity has done, the effort, the ingenuity, our accomplishments compared to wisdom, what the Bible calls the, the, the way to live well, it's not through our achievements, it's not through our accomplishments, it's through wisdom. The value system is redefined here. Value is not defined in terms of gold and silver. Value is defined in terms of wisdom. Whenever I read this passage, I'm reminded of Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Might be a little bit of a spoiler to the answer, but that's okay. But how often have we relied on our own efforts, our own ingenuity to come up with success? Have we defined success? Have we defined value in terms of what we can do, in terms of our own efforts? Are we defining success and value in terms of wisdom, living well in God's eyes? Not that I, I want to I stress this, not that accomplishments and achievements aren't good. Still strive for good grades. Still strive for a, a promotion or a raise. Those are good things. But where are they valued? Where are they valued? It better be below wisdom. That's the secret to the good life. Now, I realize that I've only hinted at it and Job hasn't quite given us what wisdom is, and we're going to get there. But first, uh, verse 20. I'll read the first, uh, I'll read 20 through 22. From where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Abaddon and death say, we have heard a rumor of it with our ears. So where then does wisdom come, Job asked. If I can't find it in my own efforts, if I can't find it in my ingenuity, where can I find it? The deep and the sea, they said they don't have it. Perhaps I'll ask death and Abaddon. Abaddon, a word for destruction. Destruction and death, the grave. They say, we've heard a rumor of it. Are we getting closer? It seems like it. I feel like this text is just saying, like, we're getting there. We're getting there. Not quite, but we're getting there. We're getting close to the source. 
I was uh, pondering what, why, why we're asking Abaddon and death. Hey, do you know where wisdom is? Death and destruction? Huh? <laughs> and then uh, what, I, what I think what I think this means is, is one, that the, these elements like the deep and the sea, they represent this, this greater picture of the cosmos, this great entity, this personification of, of mortality, I think. Death and destruction. Think of Job's life, all the destruction and death that he experienced. His wife told him, just curse God and die. Go to the grave. Go to death. So surely Job thought about it. Death and destruction were on his mind. And I think the reflection on our own mortality, reflection on death and destruction can get us closer. I think that's what this means. I think when we wrestle with the difficulties when Proverbs promises no longer seem to be true, when there's death and destruction despite the fact that I, I thought I was in the clear, I think we're getting closer to the answer. That wisdom is not about the wealth and the prosperity and feeling happy all the time. So when we reflect on the hardships we go through, day to day, year to year. I think we come closer to what the good life really is. And where is this good life? Where is wisdom? How do we know how to live well in the land? How do we live well in Bakersfield, California? How do we live well in Chicago? How do we live well anywhere we go? Where is the source? How do I find this secret hidden thing? And here it is, verse 23, the first word, God. God understands the way to it, and He knows its place. Just as man knows where to mine and dig for gold and silver, and the beast does not know where it is despite its great vision and strength, God knows wisdom despite the fact that man is unable to get it on his own. God is so much greater. Verse 24, for He looks to the ends of of the earth, and he sees everything under the heavens. When he gave to the wind its weight and apportioned the waters by measure, when he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning of the thunder, then he saw it and declared it. He established it and searched it out. I'll stop there again. God is creator. Not only is he creator, he's the omniscient creator. He sees everything. He made it all. The deep in the sea that already admitted that they don't know where wisdom is, he made them. He knows the depth of the sea. He knows all the hidden things in the mountains. He knows where Bakersfield, California is. He knows you and you, all of you. He knows me. He sees it all. He made it all. He made us. So if anyone was going to know how to live a good life, 
If anyone knows the secret to living rightly in the land, if anyone knows wisdom, it is him. It is God. And what does he do? Does he hoard it to himself? Does he say, yeah, I know it, but you can't have it. Does he say, yeah, yeah, I know wisdom. What do you want? Give me that gold you got. No. Verse 28, and he said to man, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. God doesn't keep the secret thing hidden to himself. The deep and the sea, what do they say? Uh, not with me. I don't know what it is. What do death and destruction say? Uh, I've heard the gossip around town. Heard rumors of it. But what does God say? Behold. Here it is. You want to know what wisdom is? When death and destruction are rampant, when you find dissatisfaction in the value that you've accrued in your life, when you realize that everything you've worked so hard for isn't the secret to wisdom, what is the hiddenness? It's this. This is wisdom. Fear the Lord and to turn away from evil. This fear of the Lord, it, it sometimes gets confused, confusing to people what to fear the Lord means. It doesn't mean that God is a boogeyman and you have to say, ah, anytime you approach him. That's not what fear of the Lord means. Fear of the Lord is recognition of who he is. Wow, you're the omniscient creator. I'm not. Wow, you know wisdom. I can only ever receive it from you. I can't find it on my own. To fear the Lord is to not think of him as being detached, to think that he doesn't care about you relationally. He's not a, he's not a deist God that just says, yeah, do your thing. He's not, uh, to fear the Lord is to not think him incompetent. God is powerful. He controls the deep. He is sovereign over everything. Death and destruction have no claim on him. Do not think him corrupt. Do not think him short-sighted or petty. God does not sin. God does not do evil. God is good. He isn't partial to one or the other. He's a fair judge. He's a fair God. He's a loving God, a merciful God, a just God. And lest I start turning this into a, a shame on you, I'm trying not to do that. This is supposed to be a message of, of hope. That look, this secret thing you've been trying to find, it's here. Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is the beginning of wisdom. To turn away from evil, that is understanding. The true meaning of Proverbs 
is here. It's not we live righteously so that we get riches. It's we live righteously because God is God. That is wisdom. That's the good life. Because God is a far greater treasure than anything we could accrue here in the land of the living. This message is the same that we hear in Mark chapter 1. Or what does Jesus say? Repent. Believe in the gospel. Which I think sounds an awful lot like fear the Lord and turn away from evil. The gospel is here. The gospel is wisdom. Jesus is wisdom. 1 Corinthians. You can turn there if you wish. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Let's keep going. This is good stuff. For consider your calling, brothers, Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Job 28 is a boastful thing. I could just say, yay, this goal doesn't matter. My efforts and ingenuity don't make me wise. They don't give me the good life. They don't save me. They don't give me redemption. It is Christ alone. So if, like Job, you've lost it all, you still have everything. Hallelujah, all we have is Christ. You lose your health to cancer. You lose loved ones who die. You lose freedoms. You lose money. Count it all as gain for the sake of knowing Christ. To follow Christ to fear the Lord, to turn away from evil, to repent and believe in the gospel. That is wisdom. That is the good life. That is how to live rightly in the land. May we all have utter dependence, not on our efforts or ingenuity, which are good things, but utter dependence on Christ alone. Let me pray. We hope you've enjoyed this Vanguard Bible Church podcast. You can find more sermon messages online at vanguardbible.org. 
Have a great week, and we hope we'll see you soon.